0: Gentle disclaimer to all of our listeners, all medical information mentioned in this podcast is purely informational. It is not individualized medical advice. Please follow up with your physician or medical practitioner for individualized care specific to your needs. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Know and Do Better podcast. My name is Dr. Melanie Carminati, and you all are in for a treat today. We have Daphne Javich, health educator and founder of Doing Well. Thank you, Daphne, so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you. So for those who are not familiar with Doing Well or Daphne, Daphne overcame lifelong symptoms of stage 4 endometriosis through diet and lifestyle. This inspired Daphne to get certified as a health educator and become a health coach. In addition to her work with private group and corporate clients, Daphne appears on panels, which is how I connected with Daphne, and podcasts, and her insights have been shared widely in women's lifestyle media. Her approach is founded in nutrition, Bud emphasizes holistic well-being, including sleep, stress management, exercise, connection and purpose, and routine building. Doing well is Daphne's vision of health, simple, straightforward, and real-life friendly. Daphne, thank you again for being here. As I just touched on, I had the opportunity to listen to a presentation when you were speaking at the Endofound Patient Symposium this past March. I wanted to know if you could just share a little bit about your journey with endometriosis first.
1: So I am, well, I'm 43 years old in a couple days, and oh. I experienced really debilitating symptoms with my period since I was 13. So that was excruciating cramps. I also had not even so connected to my period, but kind of chronic digestive issues. In retrospect, I think a lot of like mood issues that were also associated with my endometriosis, gas, bloating, but primarily the most debilitating and straightforward symptom was really, really painful periods. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was 34 So it's a long time. I used to take like 12 Advil a day on the worst day of my period. I took muscle relaxers really frequently. I just thought this was what having a period felt like for some people. It wasn't until I was 34 that I was hospitalized after a cyst ruptured on my ovary and more cysts were discovered. And at that point, they kind of... Technically, you can't diagnose endometriosis without a laparoscopy, Mm -hmm. but... They assumed after getting more diagnostics, more scans that I did have endo. Eventually that was confirmed surgically. But when I received that diagnosis, I was encouraged to immediately go on birth control. I decided because just timing, good timing, actually, I just started working with a health coach myself. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to address this sort of holistically alternatively for now and then i'll know that the birth control and the other more allopathic options are available to me like surgery they wanted me to have right away i was very consistent and i was very rigorous and some of the symptoms that i had experienced since the age of 13 went into remission within six months so like i had mentioned taking 12 advil a day on the worst day of my period i went from that much advil to one advil my entire cycle and now i no longer Take Advil. Saying that more, just as kind of concrete noticing that I had of improvement. Not that I'm saying that that would be the exact same path that anyone who took a holistic approach would have. Um, Because of that, I kind of woke up to an innate healing that I really was not in touch with or aware of, and that really kind of propelled my life and my eventually my profession in a new direction. Amazing. I
0: um at Inspiro we use different holistic osteopathic techniques like craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation and many times with our patients we talk about that innate healing power that we all have within us and sometimes it just takes that kind of shift or changes in routine like we'll get into in just a little bit with you to to really awaken that within yourself. So can you talk a little bit about the role that consistency, repetition, and creating a routine played in improving
1: your health? So I think early on, it was less obvious to me how powerful a routine was because when I first got into my personal practice... It wasn't so clean cut that, oh my gosh, this is a routine. I was just very consistent. I was very rigorous. In retrospect, I'm like, yes, I had a routine. I really went from being, when I was a beginner, being a little bit more instructional. You should eat this and you should do this. And now eight years deep, I'm really much more understanding that people have a lot of the information, but they're missing the how. And Mm -hmm. so much of the how to apply a lot of these choices that are geared towards improving our daily life and our health have to do with being consistent. We tend to lean towards like wanting to redo everything and change everything and be very dramatic. And we live in a culture that really pushes, promotes extreme measures, extreme results. But unfortunately, that can lead to sort of extreme failure, right? That feeling of falling off the wagon or all or nothing. Whereas when we're really focused on consistency, and even if the adjustments that we're making are seemingly small, but they're consistent, that has a real cumulative effect, right? And so how it impacted my own journey is realizing, first of all, realizing that doing something five days a year is very low impact compared to doing something 265 days a year. You can do an extreme cleanse five days a year, which I'm not against cleansing. There's a time and a place for cleansing of that nature. That's okay. It has its benefits, mostly in Observation and awareness and learning, but if you can drink water 265 days a year or get fresh air and sunshine 265 days a year, even though that doesn't culturally align with like a rigorous like health transformation, mm-hmm. it actually delivers that transformation, and that's through consistency. So consistency heals. Health is cumulative. Really, the way to execute consistency is to kind of have a routine in place, an idea of what I'm being consistent with a day daily action, right? A lot of what you're saying is reminding me of a
0: book that I just started reading called Atomic Habits. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. It's true when you break it down in this way, the way you're saying it, that like these small things, we don't need to go for the extreme overhaul of everything, but just you know, one small change and the consistency is is powerful. So for me, what I would want to know is what are some of the obstacles that people encounter or you find with your clients to like get them to like be consistent, right? Because it sounds so simple, the one small changes and the consistency, but how?
1: So the barrier to routine, I would say the biggest One and the main one is that people feel like, How could I ever have a routine? My life is so chaotic. I'm so busy. I travel all the time. I have three children. I have a partner who doesn't share my approach to food or lifestyle. My life is not accommodating for a routine. So, that I think is the number one barrier. So, one of the ways that I like to look at this, first of all, is like, Actually, so many of us practice routine already, but because we're fully integrated with that practice, it doesn't feel like a routine. So like that might be brushing our teeth or whatever the bedtime ritual is, or waking up and having a coffee or a tea in the morning, or how do you, do you make your bed in the morning? All of these are just actions performed daily, right? I am a huge believer that being well is not about separation, isolation, bringing your own food to a dinner party, not being able to participate in life's Mm -hmm. events, or we're called in so many directions in this modern world to live a busy life. And I think that in order to truly be well, we have to really integrate, accept and welcome and invite that reality. Mm -hmm. And I can assure you that there are plenty of things that you can still do that are routine oriented with a very rigorous life. One of them being waking up at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. You can't really control all of us. What time we fall asleep harder to control, but we can set an alarm and hold ourselves accountable to waking up. Hopefully after seven Seven to eight hours of sleep, but that's a whole other conversation, sleep routine, or drinking one to two liters of water every day. That's something that most people can do, whether or not they're having a very chaotic, busy, rigorous moment in their life, Right. or pairing one or two meals a day with leafy greens and veggies. No. So it's not like a routine does not mean from 9am to 9pm, everything is scheduled. So that's another barrier is that it doesn't sound very sexy no. to have a routine. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting that you're time blocking every single moment that you're awake and making the it work for your routine. It's yes. really more of a gentle beginning of actions that, in a really astounding way is an entry point to going deeper into the practice, moving forward in the personal journey in a way that does not require us to grip and grab and strive. And it's much more natural, the progression. So natural that I work for people or with people for a while. And then they're like, I saw an energy healer and like, suddenly I'm better. And I'm like, and also, we've been working together for uh-huh. a uh-huh. a lot of really committed yes, choices. Yeah, but it's so subtle what happens. It's yeah. profound, but the tr- the actual progress is really interestingly subtle. So you just said a lot right there. But one of the powerful things that
0: I took from it, I know, like for me, sometimes thinking of routine, I think of being strict and and isolating and not being engaged as much in certain scenarios. But I love that you shifted it more to a rhythm and allowed more space for expansion.
1: So it's really beautiful and powerful too. I used to work in fashion and mm-hmm. my understanding of health was really from an external perspective, what I looked like. My personal journey in the practice and why I remain so excited and energized by the work that I do is that it has really, really allowed me to develop and, and kind of cultivate an awareness, an internal awareness that's not impressiveness and the remarkableness of the body's natural instinct to correct, to heal, to repair. I have really also adopted a real friendliness towards myself where there used to be a really mean voice. And I think that Mm -hmm. that idea of routine as being restrictive and punishing and has to be perfect or not at all, that is not what I've recognized to be a healing experience. Um, it really isn't. And I know for some people that's hard to hear because it sounds like, Oh, this is not a strict enough or a more advanced pro program or practice. It's actually very advanced to have to shift into accountability paired with that awareness and that friendliness instead of like, well, I tried to Eliminate this, 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 and this, and work out two hours a day, and it just didn't work. So it's not for me. No, this is like a really different kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, so I think for those who are like adverse to the routine, it might just be the whole understanding of of that and the whole mindset of everything that just you just spoke about that has to be understood and really felt first. What are some other healthful practices? I know you mentioned uh, energy healing, but there are some other practices that help to lead to healthier more fulfilling life? How do you help clients establish first their healthy routine and then integrating some of those other practices?
1: I really start with the most accessible, available elements okay. before I would even introduce any tools that would support those elements. Okay. And the reason is not because I don't think tools are fun, but it's because it's really about maximizing our daily experience and our daily practice. I first would always look at sleep and establishing sleep rhythm, sleep routine sleep hygiene. Hydration is another area I'm really big on because it has such an impact. Um, Fewer cravings, more energy, better elimination, brighter skin. So it's like a really simple thing that most people can integrate relatively easily. Of course, my approach is founded in nutrition. So it's a lot of crowding out the processed packaged foods and really creating an abundance of whole natural single ingredient foods, mostly leaves and veggies and fats and proteins. And obviously exercise is another modality that's really powerful, but I like to look at it in a different way than typical exercise which is not available for a lot of people especially people who are dealing with chronic pain chronic conditions injury or disabilities connection purpose service we talked a little bit about and basic things like fresh air and sunshine but I always kind of get into with my clients a bunch of specific tools that support that flow elimination circulation lymphatic drainage and additional sort of unburdening because even though we do have that internal healing potential. We live in a very unnatural modern world. And so you could be doing everything perfectly and still experience health challenges. And that is not because of anything we're doing wrong, but it's because we're just navigating a lot of toxic burden in modern life. I understand
0: that you work with individuals, but you also work with groups. How is one session individualized versus group different? How are they different?
1: Yeah. So with my private clients, one-on-one, so it's very personalized, customized. So even though I do introduce and teach both my private clients and my group participants, Uh, nutritional framework that we practice and we refine and we customize. The private work is going to be a lot more depth into personal health history, circumstances, preferences. I can really get in there and do a lot more adjusting and get really familiar with a lot more personal information. The group, yes, I have access to some of that information and I definitely do customize and refine and everyone is addressed individually through a whole system that I employ, the group has other benefits. You're in a group dynamic that is really helpful for experiencing and witnessing other people, um, move through both challenges and wins and the sense of community and togetherness and showing up and being there for each other. And then I also have a subscription, Doing Well subscription, and that is the most accessible way to access um, my approach and my content and to connect with me. So a lot of my clients subscribe and I put a lot of really, there's a lot of video content there, stuff like demystifying the healthy kitchen. My husband and I do a lot of cooking on the subscription. And a lot of people have told me Oh, I've learned so much about relationships watching it because it's very unedited. And I do a live every month for 30 minutes, an in-depth session on a topic. And there are guests, like incredible guests, like mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, Jenix and Bravo, Drew Barrymore, all these amazing contributors. So it's like a really great platform. And that's sort of the most accessible way or the most kind of entry level to get a feel for the approach.
0: Amazing. What's the first step for someone that they can take towards leading a more uplifting, energized life with a healthful routine influencing this?
1: I feel that I'm being a little bit repetitive, but it's <laughs> like that's the most game changing thing and the most accessible thing is to start drinking a liter of water before 12 noon. The reason I say that is because it's really important to measure because people lose track of time, lose track of the day, and they don't know how much water they're drinking. Mm-hmm. So trying to get a liter in before noon is a really kind of interesting practice to see how much am I actually drinking. Hydration is really interesting because we don't necessarily feel thirsty. Thirsty until we start drinking more water. And then the more water we drink, the more we crave. The reason I recommend doing a large part of it in the morning is because some people like to do an intermittent fast in the morning. So it's really supportive of getting the liquids in. You've just gone through a very powerful cleansing detox of sleep. So you get to sort of give yourself an internal rinse. And also if you drink the bulk of your water early in the day, you're not going to be up all night peeing. So there's that benefit as well. hmm mm-hmm, hmm mm-hmm. I think that's something that's, that's that
0: one thing that everyone can do to get started. Do you have any other words of encouragement to our listeners?
1: I thought a little bit about what might be an encouraging, you know, simple thing to say. And I really encourage people to focus on the return. So what do I mean by that? I mean that when things don't go as planned, which we've established, they won't. um, If you are alive, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully you're interrupted by joyful, exciting, spontaneous things that are healing in their own right. But sometimes we're interrupted by really demanding deadlines or God forbid we have to care for a family member who's not well or whatever the case may be, focus on the return. We don't want the interruption to cause us to come to a complete stop in our healing process, our practice, our routine, or our rhythm. Okay, things didn't go perfectly. When is the next opportunity to gently return to the routine? Maybe that's tomorrow morning, but maybe it's you know the next meal today, or maybe there's an opportunity to go for a walk after you know the kids are in bed. Or what is the next opportunity to gently drop? Back to the routine. And I have found that focusing on the return really helps because we save a lot of time that typically we, things don't go our way. We say, Oh, I fell off the wagon I failed, I messed up. And then we kind of spiral and sort of sit in that for a minute. Whereas if we're like, Hey, things didn't go great. I'm just going to gently return at my next opportunity. It's a way of continuing to move forward every day, which is really, really helpful when we're moving through a health and healing journey. I love that. I think sometimes it's really easy
0: to to just not take a moment to, to absorb that. So that's really great to be focusing on the returns. So thank you, Daphne, so much for joining me today for this enlightening conversation. Thank you to all of our listeners. I will be sharing some of the resources that Daphne mentioned for doing well in the description part of this podcast. So just look for that down at the bottom and tune in next time for another informational conversation on the Know and Do Better podcast.